It's when Harry met Sally, met the man in black. We watched The Last Innocent Man, which means it's time for another Portland at the Movies. In a world, in a time, in a land of eternal beauty, all that stands between a city and a disaster, in a city where anything can happen. If you thought you had seen it all. Guess you lost, detective. People of Portland lost. Hello and welcome to another episode of Portland at the Movies. I am one of your hosts, Todd Workoven, and with me as always is Mark Middleton. How are you, Mark? I'm fantastic. Oh, good. And joining us as always is Brian, the Unipiper Kid. How are you, Brian? Hey, Todd. I'm doing pretty well. Good, good. So uh, you are responsible for uh, us watching The Last Innocent Man. This was your pick yeah. uh, last month. So uh, I you guess- say, You just... say pick like I, I knew what we were getting into going in. Well, that's what I was going to ask. What made you, why did you do this to us? Why? I guess is the question I'm getting at. Okay, so in the list of Portland movies, this was a relatively recent find. This is not something I'd been sitting on. This was like an impulse, you know, I just pulled the trigger. Okay. I, I found it and I was like, wow, Ed Harris in Portland and 1987, HBO- Sure. And the poster is pretty great. It's that and pretty much beautiful yeah. painting. The, the poster is what... Wow. Like, the Drew Struzan-esque painting that is uh, <laughs> the cover of The Last Innocent Man. Totally. It would have made like a really cool VHS uh, box art cover. Totally. Um, and that's actually what it was when this movie was released overseas. It got that cool box art. We just, okay. In the, here in the States, we just got some really lame like Ed Harris photo, 1987 Photoshop. So do you know if this was... Oh, I did see that cover when I when I did a Google image search for this, that, that bad cover. Do Was this something that aired on HBO? Was it direct to video? No, what? It, it was produced by and for HBO and it premiered uh, in 1987 and it was one of their first, I believe, original movies. Interesting. And uh, it got a really good review and write up in the New York Times. Really? It did. What did it say? Um, it, it, How does one praise this movie? <laughs> I think primarily it praised the acting, which... Oops. I, can't, oh, I right. can't fault too much, you know. It was Ed Harris is solid. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Mark's gonna. Uh, <laughs> Mark's Mark's making better use of his time by doing something else completely, <laughs> completely I, uninvolved I, with the last innocent man. Well, let's talk to Mark about something uh, that maybe he cares about. How have you been, Mark? What have you been up to? <laughs> I've been I've been really well. So I, when I was watching this, um, I I knew nothing going into it, and I like. Uh, having the the screen open, watching it while I take notes, uh, so I can follow along of who, what the character names are, mm-hmm. and like what they're doing, and and everything. And uh, there was there's a lot going on on this this movie, but simultaneously not a lot. It was a yeah lot of, a lot of activity, uh, the, pushing it, pencils around. I think right. I took the fewest amount of notes for this movie of any movie we've watched. I this was pretty close to being the fewest amount of notes. When I watched it, see, I watched I watch all these dumb movies twice for this podcast. I watch them the first time and I just let it wash yes, over me exactly. because if That's I get distracted I with like, well, what's going to happen? And like, I don't. The story maybe will tell me, and I don't want to. So I watch it and then I'll go back and take notes on yeah. it. And when I watched it the first time, the feeling I got was like when you're at home and someone else is at home watching a movie in another room (laughs) and you walk in, you know, you're doing stuff, you're cleaning up or whatever. And every once in a while you'll walk in there and you'll kind of see it. And like in your brain, you can kind of follow the story, even though you're missing like 
15, 20 minute chunks of it. This movie felt like that. Like it moved so fast, like right, immediately after a, a guy gets murdered and we'll get into that, like suddenly the trial started and like suddenly this and like suddenly that. And it like, it just felt like it was an extremely straightforward plot and story. Yeah. Like we could actually sum up the plot of this movie, I think, in one sentence. Ooh, yeah. Why don't you? Why don't you try that? As I watch, <laughs> do I set myself up for that one? Damn. Um, okay. So yeah, what is the ba- what is the basic story? What is the Last Innocent Man? Okay, Ed Harris is a defense attorney who takes a case. Would def- you call him a hotshot defense attorney? Yes. I would, okay. Yes, he's a. Um, I th- somewhere they called him the Ice Man. Oh, I missed that. I don't remember where I read that, but somewhere I did. Anyways, he has a reputation where I'm already more than one sentence, but I'll just keep going. Uh, He has a reputation for um, uh, getting the guilty man set free, you know, defending the the worst scum out there, obviously guilty and instituting just enough reasonable doubt to get them off the hook. Um, And he gets involved with the wife of somebody that he is defending um and then he uh the all the implications that come with that with that sure yeah (laughs) i suppose mark would you agree with that too i guess that's what happens in this movie Uh, yeah i mean it it tries to have a really clever twist and yeah but uh but it is it it well Meh. it is yeah and that's the kind of the feeling the whole thing is is like you know you watched a movie you can't really remember what it was about like I watched this movie twice and until five minutes before this podcast I had no idea the main character's name was Sally <laughs> as Mark so graciously informed us yes that their their names are Harry and Sally I had no idea that that was the case I kept calling her Lady in my notes. <laughs> I did notice though the um, so the movie opens with 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 Ed Harris, whose name is Harry Harry Nash Harry Nash Harry which, Nash. which sounds disgusting. <laughs> it does. I thought the same thing. I had an ex girlfriend with a Harry Nash. <laughs> no, no, no. This movie is getting the <laughs> bringing out the worst in all of us. Um, Entertain me, movie. <laughs> uh, but he's defending a client who is kind of like a typical sleazeball client at Harris is, is in the opening defending him against murder charges. And it turns out that guy is a journalist. It, it, th- yes. That whole transition was beguiling. It was so weird. They described his character in one sentence and they called him like an adventurer, uh, reporter, journalist, globetrotting and he's been on trial for murder six times, I, I think they say at some point. I didn't what? hear that. Maybe I got that wrong. Maybe I'm inserting <laughs> drama into this. But yeah, he he that guy he's up for murder and he ends up being acquitted. Ed Harris has this whole, well, what am I doing getting all these sleaze bags off? Um, maybe I should just quit. Uh, at the after party, after the not guilty verdict, he's um this the lady comes up who's <laughs> name apparently Sally Sally uh, kind of walks up to him and they kind of I would say begin a tryst but he invites her out to dinner and she's like no let's go back to your place <laughs> like and they do and they'd met for 30 seconds it was 
Yeah, and so he's uh, and that. Uh, do we want to talk about locations at least? So this movie yeah. actually takes place in Portland, and it's mentioned as yep. Portland, and it doesn't really have a reason to be here, but it is yeah. So part of the story, setting up the Portland aspect. So it, this movie was based on a novel, yeah. um, by I believe what Philip, Philip Margolin, who Philip, does a lot of crime uh, thriller novels. Yeah, and I, I looked up his bio, and he uh, was actually an attorney here in Portland for like. 20, oh really? Twenty years. Oh, interesting. He was yeah. in the movie too. He was Jury Foreman. I I noticed that. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't notice that. <laughs> Not that we would have been able to pick him out from Jury Foreman number four, or, right? Or crazy, crazy Ooh, Ethel, or crazy. whatever. <laughs> Whoever was listed in the credits, crazy I still don't know. A movie, I think. Yes, Crazy Fat Ethel was <laughs> yeah. the movie. <laughs> I wish we were watching that. <laughs> yeah, if you're listening to this, go watch Crazy Fat Ethel. It's a much, <laughs> it's a much more satisfying bad movie. Um. What were we talking about? Uh, Portland in this movie. <laughs> Portland. Oh, right. In this Philip Margolin, right. He was, uh, um, I don't know if he's still based in Portland, but um, he's still writing books. Oh, nice. Um, so anyways, uh, they, they kept with that uh, storyline and it is set in 1987 Portland. So we really get uh, some really cool shots of what Portland looked like in uh, 1987. Yeah. I loved, um, now I didn't look up any of those locations. Where was his loft? His loft was amazing. Ah. Uh, I I don't know if they actually filmed it where they were setting it up from the outside shots. It always looked like there was something outside. I mean, I guess I could have faked the background, but I always thought I I saw the buildings in yeah, the background the, from through the windows. Yeah. So the entrance to his uh, apartment was in what is currently the Mercy Corps building uh, oh. on Ankeny, like under the Burnside oh, okay. Bridge. That okay. Makes sense. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Because yeah. they yeah they walk downstairs and and talk in front of the Skidmore Fountain and right. But I don't think that that is the uh, where it was where inside. it was inside. Okay, yeah, yeah I think it looked like they're much taller buildings. Somewhere closer to Pioneer Square, where you could see that building. That's that you, what I thought. The same one that Brendan Fraser could see in. Yep, exactly. <laughs> where the Fox Tower is now. Right. Oh, that was probably the building before the Fox Tower then. Oh, could be. Well, in and that same shot where we're setting up his apartment, uh, it, he, <clears throat> he has like a Max uh, line that runs right by mm-hmm. there. And did you? Uh, I love seeing the advertisements along the Max train as it goes by. It was like, wake up with Craig in the morning. Oh, nice. I have no the idea wacky who morning show. Craig was in 1987 in That's Portland. That's funny. There was a Rebecca Webb uh, listed as the newscaster in this, and I think she was a, a newscaster and journalist back then because that name sounds very familiar to me. Huh. Yeah. So This was her only movie credit. <laughs> yeah, I looked that up, and sadly, this was her big... So this movie actually was... It was directed by this guy named Roger Spottiswoode or Spottiswood or something like that, who has directed tons of stuff, including yeah. uh, Air America with Robert Downey Jr., uh, Turner and Hooch, Sixth Day, Tomorrow Never Dies, and Stop, Stop or, or My, my Mom, Mom Will, will shoot. shoot. So he's and he's still, I think, currently working. And so it wasn't a badly made film. No, it, it was just it wasn't badly acted. No, um, it wasn't a terrible script. It just wasn't terrible. <laughs> Was it good? <clears throat> Am I being too hard on it? No, I I think it was good. <laughs> I think that's I think what the I think that's what this is because even between the first and second viewing, which is for me like about a week and a half, I couldn't remember a thing about it. I know what's happening, Todd. Is like your body doesn't know how to process a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> We've watched so what, many bad ones. I don't know what to do. What is this feeling? I don't know what category to put this in. Um, I did really love the, maybe I can bring it up here, the uh, Lorimar video intro. 
music which oh, just yeah. this classic vh uh not vhs but it just sounded like that it sounds like vhs let's see if i can bring it up here And that is my new ringtone. That oh, that is a nice ringtone. It's nice and gentle. Uh, I think the interesting thing about this um, is that it was made for HBO. It didn't seem it, all that explicit. Uh, there is a little bit of nudity, but there's not a lot of cursing. There's not, and the way it it it, it seemed odd. It seemed more of a USA up all night type thing. So that's funny you mentioned that. One of the few notes that I actually wrote down is that. The uh, HBO movie of then feels like the Lifetime movie of now. It really does. And I thought that was super interesting because there are other, I mean, clearly they're showing other movies that have cursing and nudity and stuff like that. Um, That's not to say that this, this is without nudity. No, there, that, there is nudity there and super weird nudity because there are a couple sex scenes, but a lot of it is just implied or you see um, they're all covered. Um, and it's like the second or third little scene between them and again right. it, by that point you're like oh i know what kind of movie this is we're not going to see anything yeah by that yeah. point and they kind of embrace and then they they afterwards as they're laying there a, a plot thing develops and he starts verbally accosting her and as he's shouting and screaming at her that's, that's when yeah uh, we we see her topless it's laying like, there. No, it's not sexy anymore. <laughs> it was such a weird choice, and I wonder if it was just playing on her vulnerability at the time to make us. But it didn't seem that no, like well done. Kind of felt a little uncomfortable. But it was really weird. After like three sex scenes, the first time they show nudity is like when he's shouting at her, which was really strange. Yeah. Um. So you mentioned uh, videotape. We should. Uh, let people know how we were able to watch this movie and, and what is their best shot for watching this movie. Well, why don't you take that? Because you were responsible for hunting this down. I did. So um, it does. It was released uh, widely on VHS. Uh, you can get copies on eBay, on Amazon. Um, I think someone has even uh, made a DVD transfer that you can buy. Um, and if you look hard enough, you might be able to find it online. <laughs> Would that copy be so bad it's hard to look at the beautiful Portland city at night because you can't see anything? <laughs> yeah, that was it. So it, it kind of has that neo-noir feel to this movie. Yeah, lots of takes... establishing shots of like the river, the riverfront with the city behind it and like that noirish saxophone it music. It feels gritty and dark. Uh, you know, it, it takes place in the 80s, but it... it it's kind of got that old gritty Portland vibe to it. And they right. really play that up. Another thing you mentioned that it, it feels kind of like a lifetime movie. And, and that's kind of what I thought too, but it occurred to me that I think, and I, I don't watch a lot of lifetime movies, but I think what differentiated this is. So our main character, whose name was Sally, Harry Nash, <laughs> Harry Nash and Sally, Sally, something or other describe her character. Mark, why don't you take why don't you take a swing at this? <laughs> like it, we we described uh, uh, the other guy as a brash lawyer, a winning lawyer. Yeah. So describe her character. Uh, um, uh, there's there's so little to get a hold of. Uh, she starts our first introduction to her. She's very uh, like snappy and and uh, you know comebacky and and has yeah. an edge to her. Mm-hmm. 
and then that edge just falls away and she's just like present but she's there she's she's not present she's like a pro- at, at one point she's like before, a prop before yeah she's like a prop before he even knew her name and this was toward the end of the second time i i watched this i just asked myself why should we be rooting for her no like she no. is the main female character we know nothing about her she doesn't exist outside right. of the two men. I mean, I'm no big Bechtel test you I was, know, thing. Yeah, I was just but about But she to literally say. does not exist outside of her relationship with Ed Harris and her husband, who is the guy on right. trial for murder. Do we right. do we know what she does, what her occupation or career no. is? Yeah, no, we get none of that. No. She's a oh, wow. very... She gardens. She does garden. Her house is beautiful. Oh, her grandpa's house, I guess. She yeah, is moving out for some reason. Built it. Yeah. Um... I kept thinking that they'll introduce her as the journalist or her as the scrappy whatever. No. Nothing. She's sitting at home doing laundry once. And then lamenting the fact that her husband has been, you know, uh, charged of murder. Yeah. Because the bummer. She's really passionate about that. And the reason she wants him to be acquitted is because if he is guilty, she can't leave him. Right. She'll have to stick around for some reason. That was the worst excuse ever. Yeah. Of course you'd leave him. Right. Why why wouldn't you? So that's the we best could, excuse. <laughs> I'm leaving you because you went Because to, you are a murderer. murderer. <laughs> you'd think if you have one out, <laughs> that would be it. it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I have some photos. Okay. Let's um, talk locations. We need a jingle for locations. 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 Yeah, if you're li- if you guys are singers, send us in a little a little sting that we can drop in for locations. Okay. <gasps> okay, so I the one thing I kept excitingly write, writing over and over in my notes was Whore Alley, where all the <laughs> prostitutes live. Uh, this isn't it yet. This is, but where was that location? Was that uh, like right by Voodoo Skidmore? Donuts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's down by Skidmore Fountain there, right? But or it was Skidmore. different than this. I mean, this shot is so where this is Ed on Harris the other lives. right, and this is the other side of the tracks from Ankeny. I think it was Ankeny Alley where the. Okay. Whore Alley. Whore Alley is. So today Whore you would go there. You would find tourists and donuts. <laughs> yes, that's what I thought. It looked it. It did look cool. This movie. It looked like a CD, a CD underbelly. Right. Oh, there's the rappers. The, the rappers. rappers. I've I have that marked. I'm gonna go find the rappers. Um. Did you look them up on IMDb? I did not. Oh yeah, I looked them up and I, I tried finding them. Uh. So one of them was named Ursus Strode. Um, which bold name choice, right? I think that translates into it's... strong bear. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> um, and then the other one was, uh, Devin Poe. And, uh, I, I wonder if they were just street performers that were, well, uh, I, I, that scene... yeah, in the credits, their credit is like the rapper. It, it, they're very, they're isolated from the rest of the credits. Uh, so it Interesting. So Googling their names, one of them uh, went on to, to go to prison for drug trafficking. Oh, oh no. And the other uh, moved to Atlanta and opened a uh, like recording studio. Oh. Mixing, mixing studio. Okay. So was... I think that's them. I can't be 100% sure. All right. Sure. Well, here. Um, so that. Why don't you guys talk about that location I, while I. I think I th- it's the South Park block. Yeah, somewhere. I think I would agree. Okay, South Park blocks. So uh, here's a little bit. They're rapping in front of a Benson bubbler. They are. So it, I'm gonna I'm gonna play that little bit here. Okay. I have that. Oh, here we go. Okay. 
Anyway, I thought that was an odd an odd choice for the middle of this movie. The way that they're perched over the Benson bubblers reminds me of those birds, the the drinking birds. <laughs> and it looks like they're just going to bend yeah, over and start bobbing up back and forth. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, yep, this is down by the courthouse. Right in front of the courthouse. So yep. the courthouse was a lot in this movie because they did film in one of the courtrooms uh, there, I'm assuming, because the weirdest credit of all is um, one of the guys who played the judges in this movie is is named Richard L. Eunice, who was an actual judge here, which is why he's listed as himself in the credits. Right. And then the very end of the credits, after um, after this screen full of like special thanks which is a full screen full of there's a separate one that says with deepest appreciation judge Richard L Eunice. Huh. And so hmm. I wondered if that was because he let them film in his courtroom or I looked him up and he was just some judge around here. It's not like I thought maybe he was like the brother of the right. producer or something. This is not the first time that we've seen a judge, a uh, Portland Multnomah County judge play themselves in a movie. That's right. What was that other one? I believe it was total reality. I think you're right. And it was Philip Roth's father. Yeah. There's a lot of from the water, from the waterfront, uh, yeah. shots, which I were, didn't nice. include it in these screenshots. Uh, but there was that classic scene that sh- shows up in a lot of Portland movies where they are driving on the Hawthorne bridge. And then you see the other bridges like through the beams. That so is another constant. One of those was, was the Broadway bridge because it was looking over to the steel, bridge. to the steel bridge. Right. If you look closely, well. you could see, um, yeah. Um, <laughs> I keep wanting to say Christina Aguilera, oh, Angelina Jolie, Angelina Jolie. <laughs> standing atop the Broadway bridge. Now I'm just going to picture Christina Aguilera gyrating on top of the Broadway bridge, like in her dirty video. <laughs> like a genie in a bottle. <laughs> uh, is this the courthouse? That's the courthouse. That's the courthouse. Yeah. We usually don't see it from that high. Yeah. yeah. Some more South Waterfront. South Waterfront. Yeah. What Lots is- of South Waterfront in this one. I wish I knew where that house was. Yeah, that it, she was it in. Looks, yeah, it's, you know, it's in the expensive. spirit of the Pittick Mansion. You know, uh, but in a but neighborhood. In a neighborhood, it yeah. has a vibe to me of something up on Tabor, but I don't think it's there. Yeah, yeah. that house is nice too. I thought nice. for a second that was the house from the end of Homer and Eddie, uh, right? But it wasn't. Yeah. I was going to be <laughs> so excited. Let's uh, check in on Facebook, Mark. Uh, is anybody commenting? Maybe anyone. Uh, oh, Jake's knows Jake's is in here a lot. It's oh, uh, mentioned as a plot point is. as well. Yeah. Um, uh, Nick's mom, Darlene, is listening. Oh, hi, Darlene. And oh, hi, Darlene. Pam Wynn and Amy Miller says, "Alexis, get out of here with your hate." Oh, oh, sorry. I, was <laughs> <saying>. <laughs> I don't know what that was, but <laughs> 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 I should probably screen these before I read them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Screen with your eyes, Mark, not your mouth. <laughs> Ron Burgundy over there. And go <laughs> F yourself, San Diego. Wait. And I'm Ron Burgundy. So the, let's set up, I guess, kind of the. We set up the premise a little bit, but basically, um, this guy is accused of murder, the murder of a prostitute uh, who is Sally's husband. Uh, they're going through a divorce. They're separated, going through a divorce. They call in Ed Harris to defend the husband. Yes. While Harris and Sally are having an affair. Yes. So that's the whole central thing is they have to keep it secret because it's an obvious conflict of interest. Yeah. Even though they have no problem walking around the waterfront in broad daylight, right. hugging and kissing outside of the restaurant. And they have these conversations early in the film. Like if we're going to continue this, you know, we're, we can't be seen it in they make a big deal about it and then just 
in the open. They're yeah, making having, out. Yeah, and not just like having a client meet where they're hugging and kissing. My favorite part is the first time when he comes over to uh, her house. I think that's when she's folding the laundry or she's packing up, getting ready to move, which they never even... They never even give her character enough to tell us why she needs to move. I thought it had to do with the fact that she was in the process of divorcing her husband. I guess, but, but if it's, it's her house, grandfather's house, right, why would he be... Anyway. <laughs> anyway, they're sitting there... And he's there. being accused for murder. <laughs> <laughs> like, odds are you're going to keep the house. <laughs> But they're sitting there and she's like putting away this laundry and he's kind of picking up some stuff and and he picks up a stuffed bird, not like a stuffed animal, but like a taxidermied like real life bird that's kind of mounted on a thing. Really? I thought it was a wood carving. I don't know. It it looked like a and so he's like, what's this? And she's like, oh, I made it. So oh, there's a character. Yeah. So she, she has a character. But I was like, how, how did you taxidermy this? What did it, it wasn't like a clunky like craft thing. It was like what a bird in a museum <laughs> they, display would look never, like. They never like, gave a close up or any detail or, or any. <laughs> no, it, it does come back at, toward the end where uh, there's a montage of Ed Harris lamenting things. Oh, right. He does. He does bring the bird out and at least look at it. But I thought that was so funny. This maybe that's her job. She makes those birds for the Natural History Museum. <laughs> I want that to be her character. Todd will write the backstory for all of the characters. It's the Rogue One of Last Innocent Man, where she finally gets the story. Yeah, Laura. Laura online shares that. Uh, so the writers didn't really think through the storyline. That is true. That it, no, yeah, that is true. Uh, Did we finish going through the locations? No, I keep just I you, keep you derail that. I keep derailing it. it. So also in this movie is our our, our two. Do we want to oh, sorry. <laughs> let's let's just I am look so at bad. some. I'm just, I'm going to push my microphone away. <laughs> you guys continue. Yeah. So um, so this is that same shot with the the Max going by, uh, down by Saturday Market. Oh, you're right. Wake up with Craig. <laughs> there it is. Wake up with Craig. And uh, the East Portland Motel, sadly, no longer in existence. Yep. That's where the uh, no, th- that's the one where the murder takes place. Yeah, the top there, hat is where murder pl- takes place. There was and a lot I of eighty second. Do you think that was eighty second? I wondered if it was uh, North Interstate. I guess it could also be. Yeah, the Sands shows up in a drive by, which is North Interstate. Oh, okay. Oh, um, but um, but it's it's only in the drive by, and yeah, there's. I looked, I tried to find Top Hat. Um, I'm going to talk about what's going on in the little uh, picture view here. Oh, yeah. This is the reverse enhance scene. You know, most <sighs> movies where they go enhance and the picture gets better, but they're just like zooming in and it gets more blurrier, and more, blurrier, and more pixelated. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I think that was supposed, I mean, in 1987, I think that whatever they were doing in there, they never explained what that picture was doing. Um, was probably very exciting to see that computer action in 1987. <laughs> right, it's very futuristic. They had everyone's driver's license scanned. Um, and Ooh, that's that's Horror Alley, Horror Alley, Whore yeah. Alley. Yeah. also known as Ankeny, <laughs> right across the street from uh, um, oh, Dan and Louise Oyster this Bar. This is the <laughs> enhance. 
nice uh that was probably the clearest skyline that we got the rest of them were all at night and you saw all you could see were like lights in the buildings but you couldn't actually see the outline of the buildings at night down in uh the south waterfront area yeah Mm -hmm. we almost got the same shot in um uh what's the tanya harding breakaway uh when she was talking with her trainer oh right yeah yeah Wentworth Wentworth Chevy Chevy was kind of part of Whore Alley, although that's where the big shakedown with the pimp happened. There was a little bit of geography mashup going on. Yeah. Yeah. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. You cannot get to Idaho via the Columbia River, correct? The Columbia River takes a turn north in the middle of Washington State (laughs) through Tri-Cities. Right. Because at one point they're like, I'm going to get on a barge and we're... Going, going to Idaho two weeks for and... two weeks on the Columbia River. I mean, I know that's kind of <laughs> that's sort of nitpicking, but I just thought that was yeah strange that they thought they were going to end up in Idaho. To, I mean, George it goes, Washington. And... It totally goes into Idaho, but you have to go through Washington first. Oh, does it go back over to to northern Idaho? It it, it goes into Washington and then it goes into it's, Idaho. That's the Columbia there. Wow, well, we're learning me geography. wrong. Oh, wait. Wait, uh-oh, uh-oh. Wait. No, it, so it branches off, and that becomes the Snake River. Yeah, the Snake River is in Idaho. Right, and then the Columbia just goes straight to, to Canada. Canada. To Canada. Okay. Yeah, okay. Anyway, so that was that was nitpicky, but I just thought that was funny. Oh, and that's that's all the photos we got. That's okay, so photos. now you can talk about things that aren't the locations. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want to talk about next? Um, I, I did pinpoint a spot where um, the, Mar- uh, uh, the Mark character... Oh, hi, Mark. Hi, Newport Mark. Bay. Laura reminds Newport Bay was the restaurant. Yeah, right, yeah, that, right, 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 right. I was trying to remember. Okay. Thank you, Laura. There's one of the, there's a lot of courtrooms. There's a courtroom drama. So every five minutes we're in the courtroom again uh, during this big trial. And they're t- getting various characters to come. And they get this woman who is a um, a fabric expert. Who became so oddly hostile, and the way she corrected it reminded me of you, Mark, so let's listen to a little bit of her. You've testified that the fiber found on Marge Hirsch's sweater was similar to the fibers in the tan jacket belonging to Mr. Stafford. By similar, do you mean identical? No, sir. The sample consisted of a single fiber. A thread? A fiber. A thread is made up of many fibers. (laughs) She was oddly hostile for a fabrics <laughs> expert. <laughs> like everyone knows that Come a fiber on. is it's made up of many, many. Oh no, a thread made made of many fibers. Many fibers. That made me laugh. What are the chances that that was Crazy Lucy? <gasps> no. no. Let's. <laughs> I like how excited we got about that. So Crazy Lucy, we were looking through let's, the credits on IMDb. Let's talk actors. And the very last person listed is uh, an actress named Nanette Renee Blakely, and her character is Crazy Lucy. And we discovered this right before we went on, and none of us know who that is. So what, what during <coughs> the the dramatic theatrical presentation in the courtroom, when they bring in the stupid thing and this stuff and and they turn off the lights and it just farcical that this would ever take place in a courtroom in a courtroom and uh, yeah they recreate the crime scene with actual props and doors and the whole, and the lighting. whole so the whole gist is the um there's a uh, 
They go to Sorry. Whore Alley. They they pick up a prostitute and go to a hotel room. The prostitute gets murdered. A cop rushes in. The cop also gets shot. Uh, the cop looks behind him to see the murderer who has this big uh, blonde curly hair um, and and IDs him that way. So they but arrested the guy. But he's backlit. But he's backlit standing in the door of the hotel. So in the middle of this trial, Ed Harris brings out like. He creates the motel in the middle out of, of commu- the courtroom. <laughs> out of community theater back <laughs> backdrops and like wheels in the door. And then they put a light up in the in a courtroom full of windows in the and, middle of the day to and recreate this. so then they this. have the grand reveal and it's Crazy Lucy. That, you, you think so? I that don't, has to be it. That's, that's my that's my guess. Because, because they turn the lights on and they're like, but this was a woman. He said it was a man to show that you right. couldn't see couldn't see the face and that's the, should we, should we spoil the twist of this movie <laughs> that it was some sort of setup? Yes. Question mark. It was the reporter all along. The recorder, yeah. from, reporter from the beginning, who had been arrested for murder six times, for some reason set up the husband because they were best friends and they had a fight. <laughs> wow, that escalated quickly. To yep. I'm going to set you up for murder. Yep. So he orchestrates the original. What's the original bad guy's name? The journalist. He's an Englishman. Uh, John Jonathan. Galt. Oh, John Jonathan? Galt. Yeah, which is... Atlas Shrugged. Now, I've never read Atlas Shrugged, so I don't know anything about it, but that's the main character, right? Is it, Yeah, it Do we think around. that means anything? I That was my first... It, it struck me. I was like, oh, they're calling him John Galt. Right, okay. so I didn't know like the philosophy behind Atlas Shrugged uh, to wonder if it played in into this at all. No. If there was any sort of rugged individualist, <laughs> individualistic message we were supposed to glean from the John Galt character. But it turns out, so yeah, he has a, John Galt has a fight with his best friend and sets him up. So his whole plan was to, to murder, well, to murder the prostitute and make, and make it look like the friend did it right. So that hinged on not only murdering the prostitute, but hoping that the cop played by uh, Bruce McGill, who was on uh, MacGyver, who was, uh, he was MacGyver's sidekick. I forget his character's name on MacGyver, but, um. Uh, so he plays the cop, rushes in to see the prostitute dead and gets shot himself and turns around to ID him. Was it part of John Galt's plan for the police officer to rush in and see him at just that angle and like for all of these things to happen? That's he absurd. He brought a, yeah, I brought a wig. So I think it was all of that in addition to the fact that he did I think he does also get off on killing people. Yeah, that came up later too. And this this movie I think was supposed to be I mean I guess it came out in in 87 and a lot of it I guess not a lot of it is about it but suddenly about 3 quarters of the way through everybody starts peppering the wife Sally about uh rough sex and being slapped around and like that just came out of nowhere. Yeah. And in fact, and I'm going to bleep this for the for the podcast, so I'm sorry for those of you that are listening live. Um, <laughs> no, you're not. No, I'm not. Even though we said this was made for HBO, but there's not a lot of cursing. There wasn't any nudity. It didn't seem like an over-the-top, you know, we're getting away with this. Except for all of a sudden, when Ed Harris is kind of talking to Sally, kind of getting her prepared for um, being uh. on trial, 
so yeah, this is at a restaurant. So let's. In order to Oh, oh <laughs> so that's the, wow. That's the part I didn't want to play. I'm glad I stopped right there. Did he say I'll order the? <laughs> no. The, he, so again, like mark down where we are so I can take this out later. Um, mm, one of the perks of, of listening live on the on the Facebook live feed. So they're having lunch. He's kind of showing her the ropes. You know, this is what it's going to be like when you're on the witness stand. He'll throw you a few softball questions, try to get you to loosen up, be comfortable. And then? Then she'll accuse you of lying. She'll start asking you about your sex life with your husband. That won't be much of a story. That's what she's going to want to show, that he had kinky tastes. You rebuffed him, he had to go elsewhere to get it. I mean, did he ever tie you up? Did he ever hit you? Spank you? Did he have to hurt you in order to... Like... That came out of nowhere. There hadn't been any any implications of anything like that. No bad language. None of that. And all of a sudden, they're having dinner in the middle of the restaurant, and that comes out of his mouth. It, and he wasn't being discreet about the way he was talking to her either. It was to the point where after he finished talking, you thought that the other people were going to turn around and start <laughs> looking at their conversation. Like in I, Harry Met Sally. Exactly. In the, in the exactly. Have what they're having. <laughs> But it escalated so fast and so oddly out of place for the rest of the movie. It was just kind of shocking, I thought. It did so its unpleasant. job. It shocked you. I guess. This movie is all about pushing conventional buttons. But I think that aspect of it, the S&M aspect, was probably a bigger deal back in 1987. So I think that probably... If you were a viewer back then, probably upped the drama a little bit or the titillation or all you had to do was say it back then. Well, now we would have to see it, I guess. <laughs> but I mean, it it. I'm wondering kind of the, in the why this movie like I get if it was a book, I get why that would make more sense. But there didn't seem to be much to make a movie out of, I guess. So I'm trying to think of like, well, maybe that was part of the appeal or something. I don't know. Yeah, this for, movie was baffling to me. Yeah, it, it seemed like the whole S and M component of the movie was talked about a couple times, but never foundationally established or like was like a real component of. The, and it could have been because of the ultimate plot of the the guy who actually did it. Uh, you know, that was his thing. Right. And so, yeah. Which is, yeah. My favorite part was when the prosecutor was uh, grilling her on the stand about it and, and she's like, you know, engage in S&M and Sally says, I don't know, I don't know what, what you mean. Yeah, I don't know what you mean. Yeah. I, oh, I think, think you, you do. do. That other lawyer, she was great in this movie. That, Monica. Yeah. She was awesome. I think you do. Objection. Withdrawn. So let's talk about uh, the actor's all of the actors in this movie. Okay. Um, Starting at the very top with Meshach Taylor. <laughs> now, Ooh. you didn't... I know. I was so excited. The opening credits, I was like, Meshach Taylor, those of us who oh. are a little older will remember him from Designing, Designing Women, Women and the Mannequin movies. He played oh, right. Hollywood in the Mannequin movies. He had the zany sunglasses. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He I played, no yeah, he played two uh, flamboyant gay men, uh, different <laughs> roles, uh, heterosexual man married with children. Oh. And he was most people's introduction, I think, to gay characters, like through that stuff, which is crazy to think. In an effort to find something interesting about this movie to talk about, I went through and looked at the IMDb 
IMDb page for every single listed actor in this movie. <laughs> wow. And what I found, other than the fact that uh, this movie could have been called Character Actor the Movie, because that's who everyone in this movie is besides Ed Harris. Everyone else is like a character actor. and They've been in a hundred things and you probably don't recognize their face. Right. There were a lot of people I thought I recognized in this. Well, um, let's start with the main. So the main actress, she does get above the title building or billing. Okay. Roxanne so, Hart. Yeah. Like she was a draw or something. I, I, I'd never seen her before. Oh yeah. Well, I hadn't either. I wondered if she was anything At in anything. She's yeah. still acting. Wow. Yeah. She's she was like decent. NCIS kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. Like the p- police procedurals. Well, for having a character with no characteristics, I thought she did she, a fantastic <laughs> job. She's she's the Ultima of <laughs> of actors. Just oh. reliable. Just, just reliable. will always work. She was in Walker, Texas Ranger. Nice. Party of Five. Okay. Um, all of the stuff that you have never heard of. Oh, that's right. And that her other big, she was the main uh, love interest in Highlander. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was, that was her claim to fame. So Bethany asks, uh, it's like you just recognize everybody but can't quite place them. Unnerving. I didn't ask her, made that comment. But Laura asks, uh, was this around the time of Basic Instinct? It seems like the the they reflect similar sensibilities. And Basic Instinct was what ninety two, ninety one or ninety two. Yeah, yeah. So a bit after. So eighty seven. Yeah, yeah so was a bit early for that. Five basic, years before that. Yeah, and, and so it, I think it was kind of one of those pushing stones the envelope had, yeah. of that. Yeah. Um, I had an original uh, intro line to the to this episode <laughs> that. I scrapped because nobody got it or whatever, but I called it a, like a way less interesting body of evidence, which is another Portland-based movie, but it's that's the sexual S&M courtroom drama thriller that's also terrible. Uh, but I thought that was a funny parallel, too, that both these movies came out, uh, came out of Portland. So a couple of interesting things I found by looking at everyone's IMDb page. Yeah. Um, there were more than one people, more than one person who had a total of two credits to their name this film and breaking in what yeah so also made in 1987 or was that 89 uh, 89 89 yeah so uh interesting charles f compton was a real estate agent in breaking in and a clerk in uh last innocent man and kim singer was anchor woman in breaking in and reporter oh in, she found her niche so i wonder unless she was an actual an actual reporter that would make sense I did think that was really interesting though that's funny um and then there were several people uh, so <laughs> i do want to give a shout out like you already did to uh crazy lucy uh <laughs> this is her only film credit oh somewhere what happened lucy. to her um i want her to be guest on the sh- next <laughs> next episode we that. could have her in by far the two most interesting people that I, I came up with. Um, so one was Kurt Hansen. Um, and I've actually met Kurt Hansen. Um, he was uh, in The Goonies. He played uh, Mr. Perkins, who was the land developer, uh, the villain of The Goonies. Oh, funny. Who was trying to get the signatures and turn it all into you know a golf course. Wow, that was a big year because I think... Wasn't the Goonies 87 as well? It was 85. 85. So before this. Um, but That's then what got him this role. I started <laughs> looking at his IMDb page and almost exclusively 
it's just movies filmed in Portland. Wow. And huh. that's where I just stumbled into this rabbit hole of crazy sounding Portland movies. And I think it's enough content that's going to fill this show for the next two years now. Wow. Nice. But even better than him was this guy named Russ Fast. And his IMDb page is just, oh my gosh. Okay, so... Let's, let's just so re- what what did Russ Fast do in this movie? Okay, this movie. so in this movie, Russ Fast, uh, let's see, nineteen eighty-seven, he was um, the ambulance, ambulance driver. driver. The ambulance. I'm trying driver. to remember. Was where... there an amb- ambulance? Oh, oh, after the murder the scene, murder. the the yeah. body gets taken away. Okay, and the crazy hotel owner. What was the deal with that ho- the hotel owner guy? Who was this weird religious religious stereotype, but also creep? <laughs> yes, and like it, it was, it was my theory because he ends up on the witness stand at some point too because he was the hotel owner uh, where the murder happened. And the only thing I thought for giving him such a bizarre character was that so we remember that he was actually in the movie before. Because the movie was so uninteresting, we wouldn't have remembered unless he was this bizarre caricature of a person. Oh, Russ Fast, known for Dr. Giggles. Yes, Dr. Giggles, The Haunting of Sarah Hardy, Breaking <gasps> In. Oh my gosh, he is royalty. <laughs> Portland of the movies, he's he's our he, Kevin Bacon. He and, is. <laughs> and because of him, I discovered a movie called In the Line of Duty, colon, Blaze of Glory, starring Bruce Campbell and Lori Laughlin. Wow. Wow. Full House is Lori Laughlin. Yes. Filmed in Portland. So That like, is amazing. We, yeah. He it, was in Brain Smasher, A Love Story. Yes. Just all those movies that we're either have seen or are going to need to see. Wow. Yeah. Every single one of those. And none of these were on. Well, most of these were not on our list. That's right. Um, man, and then is he? If you look, is at, he still with us? If you <laughs> stopped acting in 1997 suddenly. Uh oh, that's a good point. Shoot, I mean, it oh, just has Russ. a born date. He doesn't have a. I know. In IMDb, well, we wish you the best, Russ Fast. You are Portland at the movies if, best friend. If anyone knows this Russ Fast, we need to talk to him. He needs to be, um. Probably the best thing on there though. In 1990, he was in something called "The Best Christmas Ever!" Exclamation point! And um, it is a direct-to-video oh. children's sing-along filmed in Portland. Oh wow! I just clicked on the IMDb page. So I think we sings. I think I know what we're gonna be doing this December. <laughs> these are the char- these are the character names. This is our Christmas episode. This is the character names for the best Christmas <laughs> ever: Poofer, Gusty. Dimpy, Snooter, oh Thuner, Munchy, Dermy. Wow. Dermy? <laughs> Dermy. This derm that's who he played. Russell Russ Fast. Dermy. Maybe he's Dermy the Skinflint or something oh. like that. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That is pretty amazing. I like how we've just completely stopped talking about, <laughs> about the last in his man. So what is what what does Mark the Last Innocent Man I, meme. That is the title that's of the this title movie. Of the movie. <clears throat> so the main character, Harry, he struggles with guilt versus innocence and his culpability in the in the process because he traditionally has he's been the guy that gets you uh you know out of trouble. Um especially if you're guilty. If you're guilty. Yeah. And so 
when he was talking to one of the um, people at the jail is like, oh, uh, you know, they said that you would, you know, get me, uh, get me free from, from this. And, and so he, he starts like with a, a sense of innocence almost, but he really starts or to idealism. idealism. Yeah. Or like, like they de- they deserve the best defense. And if not me, who, who, if yeah, somebody me, who else is going to do it. And, uh, and, and it really starts to weigh on him throughout the movie, how he is culpable in this process. And, and so, and then, all of the things that he's doing, he's the least innocent man. This this really the movie title should be the least the innocent, least innocent. innocent man. <laughs> but uh, the last innocent man, I I don't understand the the last part. Yeah, that know? doesn't make any sense. I mean, it does. It yeah, they do end up figuring out that it was all a setup, and that uh, because they they bring the pimp. The pimp of all the prostitutes yeah, are into, but he was into a, the trial. He was a terrible lawyer, you know, uh, screwing the main witness of his thing, like uh, making all all these lies and and layers upon layers. He was just even his altruism, like his his idealism, was just bankrupt right. by the by the halfway through the movie. Thankfully, there were no repercussions for him. Exactly, he walked away <laughs> with a girl. They walked down the south waterfront. South waterfront to the sunset. Anyone knows Philip Margolin, then we can ask him. Oh, yeah, he is local. They did keep the name from the book. What else about this movie? Anything? Uh, At the end, um, after the trial, and they find the guy who didn't do it, they find him guilty, right? Yeah. The husband, the husband of Sally with the curly blonde hair. He gets. We, we actually don't find out what happens to him at the, in the very end. I thought, no, his ver- the verdict for him was guilty. Oh, we, well, yeah. But then when they so they send an innocent. He's the last innocent man, I guess, and they 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 but, convict so, him. And so Ed Harris goes to the house of the English journalism guy that Jonathan that, Jonathan Galt, and unravels the whole story it's been him the whole time jonathan galt comes in and just tells him everything saying you now you can't do anything about it because of attorney client privilege um which the legalities of which seemed awful simple in this but i I don't know how those work so then ed harris has another crisis of conscience tells uh, macgyver's bruce gill he really did it i don't know what to do with this information i'm going to be disbarred blah 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 and then what happens oh then there's a shootout Right, Bruce uh, McGill from MacGyver dies. Yes. Yep. And then Ed Harris is going to shoot the English journalism guy because he's got Sally tied up, tied up as a hostage, as a hostage. And they tumble down the stairs, and we see Ed Harris pull the trigger, and we hear a gunshot. Right. As it fades to black, we don't see the body, and then they're in court again because now I think they're putting... Nash is on the stand. So he shot Nash, but just it's not a new tri- no, enough. He, no, Nat, Nash shot Jonathan. He didn't shoot him. He just pulled the trigger. And oh, okay. Because sh- it faded to black and it, it implied that he shot him at the bottom of the stairs and was like going to do something or other. 
Yeah, so the, what I took from it was that he didn't kill him in that trial we saw at the end of the movie was the new trial for Jonathan Galt. Okay, right. to actually go to jail then. Right. Okay. But then we didn't find out whether or not that Sally's husband was Whatever freed happened to or, him. Yeah, just not meant. The last innocent man was never heard from it again. It was never heard from. <laughs> they Perfect. They did, I was going to say, they dump it in the river, but there is a reference in this movie where like, we can't just dump him in a bar. We can't. If we were anywhere else, we would dump him in a swamp. But this is Portland. We have to be more creative than that. Do you guys remember that? I remember that. <laughs> we are trying to figure out how to dispose of a body. I thought that was really funny. <laughs> yeah. So would you recommend this to someone? Boy. You can't find it anywhere, I guess. And what if you liked legal dramas? It was fine. It wasn't bad, I it guess. It was fine. Yeah, it was, it was fine. fine. I'm with it. Well, that was arousing. <laughs> ah, <laughs> sorry. If somebody's watching it in the next room while you're walking in and out and doing your laundry, then <laughs> or if you just want to recreate that sensation, recreate that feeling without actually having to do the laundry. If you're at home for the night and you're by yourself and you would like to uh, pretend like you're watching a movie with someone, um, then you could just put this on. There you go. You want to pretend. <laughs> this is like the the cat lady putting on videos of cats. This would be the perfect movie for your pet. You know, prop your cat up on the couch, turn this movie on, do the laundry. It thinks something is happening, and then check in on your cat and be like, "Hey, <laughs> how's it going? You enjoying it? What's it? Oh, what's Ed Harris doing now? Have they had sex yet? <laughs> is, is he, he gonna a verbally abuse her, her again? <laughs> and then walk around shirtless in jeans?" There was a lot of shirtless Ed shirtless Harris walking around Ed in jeans. Harris in jeans. I did like the the movie poster. The cool painting ones is just him in his you know in a white business shirt and tie, but with jeans. So that's <laughs> you know he was a little bit edgy. a little bit business, a little bit casual. Reminds me of the host of Double Dare. What was Mark the Summers. Mark Summers? Mark Summers, super rocking the days. the jeans with a tucked in oh, dress yeah. shirt. All right, final thoughts on this. Uh, this is going to be one that we quickly forget about. Yes. In a year's time, we will not remember this movie <laughs> as the world has already forgotten it. We'll some just remember things, Ed Harris made a courtroom movie. Some things should best In left court. be forgotten. Yeah. This, what yes. is that a quote from? I don't know. Some movie. <laughs> this podcast. <laughs> this this prison <laughs> sentence of a podcast we've stumbled into. <laughs> Uh, well, that brings us to what will happen next month on next Portland at the month. Movies. And you haven't told us yet, Mark. I so why don't you not. tell us what we'll be watching next week or next month it's on Portland at the Movies. It's just another quiet American town smack in the middle of Heartland, USA. But their innocence is shattered one day <gasps> when two crazed gunmen from the city ride into town looking for trouble. Ooh. They find it as they terrorize the locals, pillage the town, and murder the police. The <laughs> urban scum think they've made a clean getaway, but soon uh, soon find themselves on the run from an entire community that's armed, angry, and out for blood. Leaving a trail of bodies in their wake, the desperate men finally storm a farmhouse and take a young girl hostage which pushes the people of Vernonia right over the edge. Never has revenge been so ultimate as in the 1989 cult classic, 
their Vernonia incident. Wow. I am so happy, Mark. This is one of my favorites. I've seen this. Have you seen this? Yes. Is this going to be a good movie? (laughs) This is going to be entertaining. Have you seen the 90-minute behind-the-scenes video? (gasps) Yes, I have. Should I watch? I have that too. Should I I watch that before the movie or after the movie? After. After. Oh, I'm excited. So I haven't seen either. Okay. Okay. I've just downloaded both the movie and the behind the scenes movie. So you know what's funny is back when we started this podcast, however many years ago, this was one of the (laughs) first movies I suggested we watch and I already sent you guys a download link. (laughs) Oh, nice. (laughs) Well, is this movie available anywhere? Yeah. Um, There's, if you... um, if you search for the Vernonia incident, you can uh, find wa- links to you it. You can find links uh, to it on a website. You can pay three dollars and and watch it. Okay, okay, so, so it is know. available then. Yep, cool. Yeah, because I was when I when I listened to my other movie podcasts, I always like to watch the movies first and then listen to to hear and them talk about. And OBS crashed again. Okay, well we'll just finish this up here. Oh, there was one more. You can get this uh, movie, Vernonia Incident, is at Movie Madness. Oh, of course it is. Movie Madness. I was just talking about Movie Madness uh, yesterday with someone about how literally some of the the only place we can find most of these movies has been on VHS at Movie Madness, which is pretty amazing. One other thing I noticed in the credits for this movie was a special thanks to Judy Garland and her estate. So at some point, there must have been... A picture, a song, a something. Wow. It was it was not listed in, like where the song credits were. It was it was right after that. With deepest appreciation to the judge was and special thanks to Judy Garland and her estate. Wow! So I thought that was really strange. There must have been some piece of intellectual property that ended up in there that they had to get uh, huh. clearance rights for. But yeah, that was the most entertaining part of the movie was <laughs> trying to figure that one out. Um, you can find us now on Patreon. Why don't you talk us uh, a little bit about that, Brian? That's right. Um, you know, that's we, right, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> if you like what you hear and you would like to make us suffer by watching more terrible movies filmed in Portland, um, you can pledge uh, on our Patreon page. And for just uh, whatever pledge level you are comfortable with, a um, dollar a month, two dollars a month, every little bit helps. Um, a lot of times we do have to track down these movies from um, other countries on VHS, and uh, <laughs> then we have to pay to have them transferred to a PAL format. <laughs> All to end up watching Fatal Revenge. Right. Uh, we discover this crap, so you don't have to. And uh, if and right now, not only do we watch terrible movies, we do it at a net loss. So <laughs> we would like maybe to change that. Uh, and there are more uh, exciting projects and, and equipment we'd like to get for that to make it sound and look the best that we can. That's so. right. We're in the process of launching our very own original web series. That's right, which should be up uh, if you're listening to right now uh, in in the next two or three weeks. But um, if you're listening in the future, do check it out on YouTube. Um, and uh, we are nominated for the Portland's Best Local Podcast on Willamette Week's Best of Portland. We are very important. And so I just put a link in the Facebook page, uh, uh, in in the feed here for this video. Uh, just click on that link or go to Portland at the movies.com slash vote and uh, vote for us for best local podcast. Yep, it's free and easy, and uh, you can do it as, as much as you would like for as many email addresses as you have. Um, and to make a basketball, I'm going to make a basketball analogy. So you know how the last couple of years have been the Cleveland Cavaliers 
versus Golden State in the finals, and Golden State keeps winning year after year. <laughs> it's kind of like this podcast category where there's a there's a perfectly great team that wins year after year, but maybe it's time for someone else to share <laughs> some of that spotlight. So why don't you think about that and, and cast your vote accordingly? So um, speaking of, we are heard on the Fun Employment Radio Network, uh, where you can hear lots of other amazing shows. Uh, Greg and Sarah do a daily show that is free for download, um, but you can also get... Uh, live stuff and videos and access to archives if you become a Fun Employment Radio supporter. So uh, head over there, look into that. They've got great shows on their network uh, in addition to their own. Uh, so check that out. Also, we put uh, these videos up on um, on YouTube. So go to Portland at the Movies on YouTube and you can see all of the live videos. If you're listening to this on podcast, uh, there is extra content in that uh, because I do edit some stuff out, not a whole lot, just... Um, uh, some things here and there. So if you want to see the full things with the horrifying things I did not bleep out from the last innocent man, <laughs> you can head over to our YouTube channel and, uh, and see us do the live recording. So other than that, I have nothing else to play, which means I will play the closing credit songs uh, that comes up after the last innocent man. So we will see you guys next time. Thank you for listening. Next on Lifetime Special Events. <laughs> this has been ABC After School Special. <laughs> Ooh, sexy. I almost cut it out before the... There's the melody. It reminds me of uh, Devil's Keep for some reason. Oh, yeah. Same era. Who's the same uh, stock music folder that they went through. (laughs) 